Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. I need you to be attentive again. In this section, we feel we must kind of continue with what we started yesterday. And then the afternoon, I'm going to be going to some other areas. But this morning, I think it's a need to continue. Uh, because more or less all that I did yesterday was like lay foundation um, of what expressing the kingdom of God really was. So it was like I was giving definition of what all of that. And we just started touching some of the things that um, indicates uh, I expressing the kingdom. And one of those things we mentioned yesterday was what? Can anybody tell me? Transparency. Good. To be transparent. Okay, so... I feel there's a need to give you some more points on that before we go to other areas. But again, let's look at Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1 and 2. Luke 11 verse number 1 and 2. Well, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Like I said yesterday, this is something that really, for me, is very important and impressive at the same time. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That is to say, your mindset for following John is not the same you must have in following Jesus. These are two different people. Because prayer reflects and open to you what you believe, your walk, and what you are expecting. So for instance, I'm just assuming John was teaching disciples to pray for the Messiah to come. And this one said that is the Messiah, so what is going to ask them to pray for? Pray for the kingdom to come. Two different sets of people, two different realms of prayers, and two different group of followers. So, prayer, as far as I can see from this, is a mindset. It's what you have come to know. It's what you are intended to know. It's something that reveals the will of God to you. Praise the Lord. And verse 2, he said, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth. As in heaven, so in that. When you pray, say. For me, that is also very important. Prayer is not necessarily crying. You may cry sometimes. Out of a body in any way. But prayer actually means saying. You say what you want. Because for instance, if I were to be your biological father, in quote, and you're going to talk to me as touching maybe your school fees, your student, and it's time for your school fees. And then you come to me and then you start crying. What do you think will be my response? The question will be, what's your problem? Amen? You're just crying and you're just crying just because you want your school fees. It's amazing. 
And that's exactly how we treat God. We want to go talk to our father, then we begin to cry. Other times we begin to call him names. Oh, Father Eloi, oh, Father Chip Mikadiski, oh, Father, oh, Father, you know. Oh, whatever I think to be the nickname of God, you start calling them before you pray. Well, that's exalting him. Okay, fine, no problem. But man, if you have to come to me, you want school fees, and you say, oh, my father, that is from Osifo village, oh, my father, that is very tall, oh, my father, that... Just because you want to ask your faith, I would say, what's your, what's your problem? What do you want? When you pray, say. Say what you want. Tell God what you want. Your tears doesn't really, really matter sometimes because what God is concerned about is the blood of Jesus. If you can see the blood, if you believe in the sacrifice made, say anything you want to say. Praise God. So prayer is saying, so here, when you want to pray, say just say what you want. Praise the Lord. And they say that kingdom comes. So like I said yesterday, the kingdom is the kingdom of God. It's that moral and spiritual kingdom with the God of grace is setting up in his fallen world, if I may use the word, whose subject consists, the subject of the kingdom, the people that make up the kingdom, are those who are brought into hearty subjection. One of the definitions or qualifications for being in the kingdom is you've come to the place of being subjected. In other words, you've come to believe and accept the rulership of who is the king in the kingdom. Is that alright? To be in the kingdom means you are walking in obedience to whatever thing God says. It's not going to force you, but you've come to say God is my king. And how many of you, this river says, I know we should be having a lot of kings all over the place, right? Now, for every king, he rules a certain people. Is that all right? Good. A certain people. And if you watch the set of people that the king will be ruling over, they are a tribal people. They are like a nation within a nation. They have their own culture. They have their own way of dressing, the kind of food they eat. You know, they are another way of, uh, what do you call this one? You know, you have all of those kings right here. For instance, if you use the Oba Benin, you see the way the Oba Benin dresses and the subject have a particular culture, particular brand of dress, the way they use their beard. If somebody dresses, you look at the picture, you say, this, this one from Benin Kingdom. Am I correct? Good. Why? Because the king has influence in that realm and the people are now the subject of that king. You see, the, the Benin Kingdom can do a lot of things to people. I think last year, somebody was banished from the kingdom yeah, one of the priests, one of the one of the chiefs, or something like that. They have a lot of power. Now, like I always say, God ultimately was not supposed to refer to Himself as a king, and this may surprise you. God never, for one day, wanted to be referred to as a king. Right in Eden, even though the kingdom was there, the relationship was father and son, and not subject to a higher power. In quote, but you see. And right unto the time of Samuel, God was not ruling Israel with the king, prophet, and the priest. They were the people there that were functioning and judges. You understand that? But when the people said, We need a king like other nations, so other nations were having kings, but Israel was not having kings. Can you see the picture there? We know to have 
a king like other nations. So it was their demand that made God to give them Saul. So they can have a king like other nations. So God never for once wanted to think that he's a king. He is a father. You see, there's a different mindset of that of a king and a father in dealing with people. Are you getting that right? Good. There's a way when it comes to a king, there's a way you behave. But when it comes to a father, there's also a way you behave. So, it was Israel that demanded for a king. To have a kingdom, as it were. And they made a statement of a man that will go in and out for us. In other words, person to be fighting their battles. Praise the Lord. So, this, I believe, is when God began to refer to himself as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What he like to say now is this. You have so much respect for those kings, you've got to understand that I rule over them. I am their king, I am their Lord. Are you there with me? Praise the living God. So he said, pray for this kingdom to come. So but what I'm trying to explain to you is, to be in the kingdom means you come to accept the rulership, the dominion, the authority of the king of that kingdom. You are now a subject. So the kingdom means made up of the subject of the king. And like I always say, uh, you can't think about the kingdom coming tomorrow like some people teach. That it's going to come some years time when Jesus comes back again. That's when the kingdom will be set up. And this looks very funny. I think there are four principal things you need to have a kingdom. You have a king. You have the subject of the king. You have a territory to which the kingdom is. You have the culture, which is the law, the custom of the people. Now if you find these four things, you find that they were present in Eden. God was supposed to be the king there. The subject was Adam and Eve. The territory was Eden. The culture was that eat of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. That was the kingdom. <laughs> I know if you're getting that. So the kingdom is not something I have to come tomorrow. In other words, we can say, now we all believe. Everybody know oh, Jesus is king. Do you say that? Good. So if Jesus is king, the question now is, where are his subjects? You can't say he's a king without you knowing that he has subject that is ruling over as a king. Are you done with me? So you see, he is a king right now, not tomorrow. The subjects are which people? The believers. Where is the territory? In the wall. What are the culture? What you find in the Bible? You understand that? These are the four things that make support a kingdom. Uh, oh, help me. Now, if you are a subject of a king or a kingdom, you do not only walk by the concept and the precept and the culture of that kingdom, you also have an attitude that you put up with. What is the attitude? You are proud of your culture. Did you get that? You are proud of your culture. So, as a believer, are you proud of your culture? What's the culture? The Christian faith. As a kingdom, if you talk, I remember 2009, I was preaching in one of the Areas in South Africa, is it Umlanga somewhere there? And uh, we went to one of the territories where you have a lot of the uh, what's this king in South Africa? 
the strong king is South Africa. Yeah. Good. Now, he will not allow, we have to go to the community. The king will not allow his soldier to leave without permission to another place to attend the meeting. I mean in South Africa. And the subject will not come out <laughs> except with express permission of the king. So if you have to preach to the people, you take commission, they will allow you, they will know they are coming to talk to his subject. Praise the living God. I mean that's how I'm trying to explain to you how powerful a kingdom is. And so when you are in the kingdom, you have to come to that express understanding and belief, conviction that you are protected by the king. By reason of his laws that he has given us well. Praise the Lord. Are you following it? I want you to understand. If for instance, you unnecessarily touch the Obar of Benin, the subject of the Benin kingdom, there is a way the Obar reacts. Because every king protects his subjects. So if you are in the kingdom, you believe Jesus is your king, then one thing that must always run through your mind is you are protected by the king because you belong to a kingdom. The Christian community have not been able to imbibe that. Because the only thing they think about is worship the Lord, die, go to heaven, get a mansion. But part of what I'm going to deal with in section 2, which is John 14, what, what Jesus was telling the people. My father says, how many mansions? What was he talking about? You see, so many of us are believers, we are not better than the Muslims. You know what? The Muslim is fight, holy war, kill people, die, go to heaven, get seven virgins as a reward. Am I correct? So what do you believe for our Christian? Walk through this head, live anyhow you want to live, you know, just be very holy, you die, when you go to heaven, God gives you a mansion. You're not better than the Muslim. Both of you are looking for a reward. And what's the reward? One is seven virgin, the other one is what? A mansion. That's your mindset. That's why you cannot be useful to yourself and you cannot be useful to God right here on the face of the earth because your hope is you're going to get a mansion. Everything you do is on the ground that when you die, you get a mansion. <laughs> that is not why you are sent here. You are sent here for the purpose. You are sent to expand the culture of the kingdom, which is righteousness, the peace, the joy, and the Holy Spirit. God intends you to conquer <laughs> you know what it means when he said in Matthew 16 18, I'll build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. The word church is the word ecclesia. An ecclesia is like a governmental structure, it's a people that legislate. It's like the legislative arm of government. Are you there with me? And so, what he was trying to say, well, I'm establishing my ecclesia, the legislative arm of my government that will take my culture my precept and impose them on every area. Is that really connected to why he chose the people and he called them apostles? You know what apostle means? Apostle means, apostle was taken from the, the early times. You see the Greeks, they are going to all the, they are going toward the beak of their boat is sharp like this. And those people that they are sending out, they send them out for instance, we are sending them to 
Patakot here, they conquer Patakot and inculcate and impose the laws of their land in that place they have conquered. So when Jesus got the twelve disciples, called them out and said, You should be apostles. That means they are frontiers. So you see, the apostles are the people that actually take the cultures of the kingdom and establish it on the face of the earth. That's what Ecclesia means. Ecclesia is not just a gathering of Christian people. Ecclesia is the force of God's kingdom that advances the kingdom into all areas of human endeavor. Whether business, whatever it is. Praise the Lord. So you are not called as a Christian to just believe, praise, worship, and they just hope when you die, you go up to heaven. No. God intends you to advance the culture of the kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying? This is the excess of your being called. Every king will want his kingdom to expand. In fact, the book of Proverbs says, a dwindling kingdom is a shame to the king. That's a kingdom that dwindling is subject to reducing. It's a shame to the king. So every king wants a kingdom to expand. And that's the main thing that God intends us to do. When he says, go here into all the world and preach the gospel. Praise God. So that commission means we go and reveal the mind of God to the rest of mankind. That's why you should witness. That's why you should preach. That's why you should testify. That's why you should let people know you are a Christian. Hallelujah. Are we still here? I'm still talking about the issue of the kingdom that you asked us to pray for. So that you can understand absolutely who you are, where you are, what you are supposed to be doing. Anywhere you find yourself, you are supposed to be an embodiment of the kingdom of God. What are you supposed to do? Expanding, inculcating, demonstrating, revealing the power of the kingdom of God. You see what I mean? In the way you walk, in the way you talk, oh glory. Somebody with the way I talk, in the, even in the way you sleep. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Give me Romans 12, verse number 1. The kingdom is your daily living, it is part of your culture. It's not something that you know you're hoping to get tomorrow. Message translation. Romans chapter 1, I mean chapter 12, verse number 1. Message translation, book of Romans. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Look at this. So here is what I want you to do. As a kingdom person. God helping you. Take your everyday, everybody say everyday. Everyday, ordinary life. Your everyday ordinary life. Your what? Sleeping. Your what? Eating. Your going to work. Walking around even in the street. And placing before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Praise God. This is a kingdom lifestyle. Your everyday life. It's not tomorrow. People think, oh Jesus, when he comes again. So you live here and eat junk food. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many of you understand that the queen, the queen of Sheba fell in love with Solomon 
because of the way Solomon's table was dressed just for them to eat. The steps to his throne, everything was so excellent, marvelously positioned. And the queen said, hey guy, listen to me. What I've seen, what they told me is nothing compared to what I've seen. You are just a wonderful person. And guess what? Baby fell in love with the guy. So you see, the queen finally had a baby for Solomon called Melisek. Who reigned after him from Ethiopia. You understand that? Everyday life. We have sisters. You enter their kitchen. Oh my God. Every day they tell you to buy right poison. Why would there be right poison when your plates are never cleaned out? You're looking. There's no way you're going to pursue rats. They look for dirty things. Cockroaches and everything. Your plates are there. You soak them up sometimes. You don't soak them till the next day. There's no kingdom life. You think God was stupid when he told Israel? Any fish that does not have this kind of thing, don't eat it. Animal that does not have did not eat it. It God told them hygiene. When there was no toilet, if you want to eat it, go out of the camp, dig the hole, put it in there, cover it. Try then the Bible. God taught hygiene before he started using the water system. He told people how to behave. That's kingdom culture. Are you listening to me? You want to serve your husband food on the table? You pull the food there, you pull this one there. No harm in them, what do you call it now? Handkerchief to, to clean the hand later, what do you call that? You know, you sort everything there. I mean, and then the next thing you're off, you're watching television. You are not there with your husband. Well, he, he is eating. You are there with television, watching Nollywood, Hollywood, Bobbywood, and Indian wood. Everything is wood. No iron, nothing strong in it is wood. That is why the thing doesn't last. There's no value. Because they are all wood. Bollywood, Nollywood, Hollywood. Have you noticed that? All of them are wood. Hallelujah. But look at this. In Genesis 18, when you see Abraham... Prepare the meal for the people he stood by. He was there watching while they were eating. Sisters, be careful what you do when your husband is about to eat. Sometimes the food doesn't digest too well because he's thinking about you. You are not there. He's eating. The man, but if you're there, that's why you need to set a table. Eat if possible. Eat together. And let the man enjoy the meal. I'm talking about kingdom. All this I'm talking about is a kingdom of culture. Are you following what I'm saying here? Have you wondered why so many men like to go to a hotel and they don't want to come back? Because of the environment. Huh? Some of you, you wake up in the morning, you can't dress your bed. You walk back in, your bed is in a shamble. Sisters in particular, what do you do with your bedroom? You have so much clothes, the wardrobe is more than enough. Wardrobe can't take it again and the whole thing is now overflowing onto where? Onto the bed. You want to sleep, you'll be pushing them. Dress first, dress for me. That's no kingdom culture. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Eat good food. Sleep in good atmosphere. <laughs> Anytime I look at this scripture, so many things rush through my mind. I'm talking about kingdom culture. 
It's not something you have to... I'm talking about your everyday life. Not what is going to happen when you go to heaven. Not going to happen when Jesus comes again. No. That's a deception. That's how people don't understand when we talk about the kingdom of God. They don't understand what we're talking about. That's how so many people don't even preach it because they don't even understand what the kingdom stands for. But we're imposing the culture of God upon the people. How many of you understand that God is an excellent God? That means your atmosphere should be excellent. Everything you do because you represent the Father. Praise God. Now look at that. You're going to walk. You're eating. You're sleeping. How do you behave on the road? When you're going to walk. What about if somebody wrongfully drove and blocked you on the road? What should be your reaction as a kingdom person? Huh? Somebody perform an experiment. You just want to the patience of most commuters, drivers, car owners. So there's this pedestrian crossing. They said about six of them, elderly people, but they are not actually elderly. They pretended to be elderly. So they were crossing the road. Crossing the road. People just on the back there said, oh man, okay, allow them to go. They managed to cross, about four of them cross. And all of a sudden they called them that they should come back. They start coming back again, dragging themselves with walking stick. Ah, some people in the Bible say, what is going on? Those in front say, no, elderly ones are crossing. The ones in front, they have patience. The ones behind have no patience. The ones in front have respect. The ones behind have no respect for elderly people. By the time they cross down again, they thought the whole thing is over. They start falling up again like dog crossing. Oh my God. Begin to see the reaction of people. Now by the time they finished crossing, they stood up and said, we just want to test your patient. Praise the living God. On the road, what do you do? How do you talk to people? Praise the Lord. I'm talking about kingdom culture. I'm talking about the people who God has called to himself. Huh? How do you talk to people? Some of you don't even have a single smile on your face when you wake up in the morning. No matter what kind of dream you had, when you wake up in the morning, smile. For God has made the day a beautiful day for you. Hallelujah. You talk to people, you don't have to smile. Whether you are serious or not, nobody knows. Your face is ever damp. You can't live like that. How many of you know that smile and joy has healing to the body? Glory to God. Your everyday life is your kingdom culture. You have to impose kingdom lifestyle in everything you do. You're eating, you're walking, you're dressing, everything. You've got to impose the kingdom culture. And then you expand that to the rest of the people. That's what God has called us to do. God intends us. I was sharing with them last week. You know, people will tell you, oh, the best life to live is not to be married. That Apostle Paul was not married. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. But you see, that is not true that Apostle Paul was not married. Apostle Paul was married, and I'm going to prove that to you. As a Jewish boy, the father has three things essentially, majorly two, that he does for you. Every Jewish young man, the father gets married for that individual, give the person education and give him a profession. This is what a Jewish boy gets from the father. 
And so you can't tell me Paul grew up to that level without a wife? No. Number two reason. He was a Pharisee. You cannot have grown to the level of a Pharisee in Israel without first being married. So the possible thing you find with the life of Paul was probably the wife divorced him because of his strength and commitment to the Christian faith. Or the woman died. The only two possible reasons. Paul was married. You understand that? And so, look at when we were in Babylon. God told them, you're going to be here for a long time. Be houses, plant vineyard, married, give your children to marry. You know what Populate Babylon with a new culture. Hallelujah. You go to the UK today. Islam is almost all of the places. The mayor, 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 mayor in, in, in UK, they are all Muslims. Why? The Muslim man, apart from this one, fire any jihad. Their method of expansion is productivity. You understand that? They have two wives, they have three wives, they have a lot of children, they all imbibe the Muslim culture. Over there in Britain, they have taken over the whole place. Where is Christianity? He's dying. They are even selling us some churches because nobody comes to attend meetings, especially the old churches. Orthodox. What we are supposed to do is what the Muslim world are doing. Expanding the kingdom of God upon the face of the earth. Are you still following me? So, friends, you've got to be cheerful. You've got to put some smile on your face. And you've got to know that here you are representing a king. In your attitude, your place of work. You've got to let people know you are a believer. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Remember, she talks talking about the kingdom. Then we're going to talk about the precept of the kingdom. So here are people, subjects, who now believe in the king. They work with the king. And um, the era reality of this kingdom is existed, I mean, existed, have been there when men walk with God. At any point in time where men walk with God, that's the establishment of the kingdom. And it's not just today that men started walking with God, and it wasn't yesterday. Like I was saying, you know, when I was young, just came to the faith, I have this man that was always teaching that the best life is celibacy. When you are celibate, that's the best life. If all of us in this house are celibate, we'll have these young ones sitting with us here. Am I correct? If your father was celibate, he wouldn't give back to you. Now tell me, you want to please God? <laughs> Go read the book of Genesis. The Bible says, Enoch walked with God and he was not found and he had sons and daughters. Have you read that? He walked with God, yet he had a family. So don't tell me when you don't have a family, that's when you please God. You are deceiving yourself. Glory to God. Are you still here? So we're talking about people who can continue with God, walk with Him, receive instructions, influence society with instruction, change men with their lifestyle, wherever they find themselves. This is the kingdom in expression. Praise the Lord. 
I need you people to be able to understand what I'm saying. That God's intent for you is to reproduce yourself in other people. In so doing, we are expanding the gospel of the kingdom. And as we expand the gospel, we are setting people forward. Can you please give me Mark chapter, uh, Mark 1, let's look at 14, 15. Um, maybe we'll take it from the, take it from the King, I mean, uh, the Amplified Translation, I'm sure. Mark chapter 1, 14, 15. Let's look at that. Amplified Translation. Hallelujah. Is anybody following what I'm saying here? Yeah, good. Now, after John was arrested and put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the good news. What's the good news? The gospel of what? The kingdom of God. I think that's okay. We just stop that. What's good news? The gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus preached. The question is, what are we preaching? And yet we are disciples of Jesus. Amen? He went about preaching and teaching what? The good news, in quote, the gospel of the kingdom. That's the only good news. Nothing else. Nothing else. The good news is what? The gospel of the kingdom. Look at the next verse. Let's just take 15. 15 says, And saying, The appointed period of time is fulfilled, completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Have a change of mind which issues in regret for past sins and in change of conduct for the better. And believe, trust, and rely on, and adhere to the good news. What is that? The gospel. Did you get that? When he said the time is fulfilled, he was referring to Daniel chapter 2. In the latter days, God shall establish the kingdom of the earth. That's why the time is fulfilled. And yet somebody is telling me the kingdom have not come. Hmm. And Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. The time for that promise of the kingdom is now here. It's fulfilled. Praise God. Are we still here? So friends, this is the way we need to understand what God is doing. A change of mind for the past, yes. And listen to this. This essentially was not talking about you. This was talking about the Jews. Essentially. Is that okay? And now let me tell you this. Yes, it's good for you to regret your past sins. But there is no value in always remembering yourself about the past sins. Because you see, when you believe in Christ, when he died, he nailed all your past sins to the cross. You don't have anything to remember because God himself has nothing to remember. Can I hear any man to that? <laughs> when you look at Hebrews, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. When they talk about the old covenant and the new covenant. So I make a new covenant. And the old one shall not come to mind. Your sins and iniquity are what? Forgiven. You got to know that. You got to know that. So there's nothing to repent about. You know, I read often and again people, and some people have taken it on ministry. Oh, we're helping the people. They were raped when they were young. They were dudes when they were young. And all of those things they talk about. 
And some people carry it up today. Have you had people come up adult age and then they want to sue people that raped them when they were young? Have you have you have you read that? Stupidity. What has your past got to do with your now? And some even go commit suicide. My father raped me when I was young. Nonsense. Your past is your past. If you must confess the sins of your past, you tell me, why do you think God can be able to use somebody like Paul? What did you do as compared to what Paul did? Paul was killing people. So now, will Paul leave what he's doing and start regretting about what he was doing and confessing all the number of people that he killed? Is that what you think Paul would have to do? The past is your past. Praise God, somebody. Amen. So I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about the good news of the kingdom of God. That is the only good news we find in the Bible. No other thing is good news but the message of the kingdom. Hallelujah. I've had people talk to me and say, Pastor David, your teachings are too deep. They are meant for only disciples. They are not meant for everybody. Am I saying anything too deep here that you can understand now? How to eat is that deep? Hallelujah. I don't know if you have only what I'm saying. I don't know what people say. No. You see, my, my mindset has to do with what I've seen. And what I've seen is the message of the kingdom. And everything comes around it. The message is the only message. Every other message is around it. In this message there's healing. There's deliverance. There is, you remember we read that yesterday in Matthew 12, 28. There's nothing you are going to think about that is not found where? In the message of the kingdom. So, I, I really don't know how deep I am. When I talk about you sleeping. You sleep. Don't you sleep? You sleep. So what is deep in talking about you sleeping well in a good in a good place with good forms? And these are the things I teach. Praise the Lord. But people say my message are very deep, but I'm not sure that they are deep. I just teach what the Bible is teaching. Is that okay? Uh, there was one I shared recently, and people just calling me and talking to me. It's just because people are not diligent in reading what the Bible says. Right? You know, you've had people say, the trouble we have today was because Abraham made a mistake by producing Ishmael. So the Muslims are the Ishmaelites who are fighting us. That was the mistake of Abraham. Have you heard that before? Very good. Is that gospel? That's a lie. Because Abraham was not the father of Ishmael. In Genesis 22 verse number 10, I'm sure. Scripture said, God told Abraham, take thy son, thy only son. God didn't say, choose out of the two. Abraham had one son. Then you are going to ask, what about Ishmael? Ishmael was the son of Abraham. Not Abraham. You can find that Genesis 16 verse 16. You can find that. Do you understand that? Abraham was the father of Ishmael. Abraham was the father of Isaac. We don't belong to Ishmaelites and they are not our brother and we are not serving the same God. That's what people don't know. But you see Christian pastors teaching the same thing. Abraham is one that put us in a problem because it's not Abraham, it was Abraham. When he was to give birth to Isaac, he died to Abraham and became Abraham. 
Just like the twelve tribes were actually the son of Jacob only when he became Israel. That's why he called them the twelve tribe of Israel. In Genesis 32, 28, God changed Jacob toward Israel. Jacob was a liar, a thief, a supplanter. You remember that? But when he changed to Israel, he became a prince with God. So Israel became the tribe of Israel is the priesthood of who? Of God. They were from the very man that was a prince, not the thief. People don't take time to read this book. That's why we believe all kind of things, teach all kind of things. And I tell you, the Muslim today was a mistake of Abraham. No. Nothing like that. Praise the living God. So, I just share this, and this will make people feel that my message is very deep. It's not deep. It's just plain scripture. You understand what I'm saying? I, I like to correct people's mindset so that they don't believe nonsense and teach nonsense. That's my concern. You know, time we know that I'll let you know. When, when they said, um, what would they tell you? I mentioned that in the camp in the book of my, uh, Genesis 20. Let's just take that. I'll show you something there. And I want to put on Facebook, but I've not had time to do that. Genesis chapter 20. Look at verse 10 and 11 and 12. I'll just show you something. They'll tell you Abraham lied. Huh? And Isaac lied. And that's why Jacob lied. So there's a generational cause. Nonsense. Are you there? People like said unto Abraham. He didn't say unto Abraham. He said unto who? Abraham. What says thou that I have done this thing? Go to verse 11. And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will surely slay me for my wife's sake. Go to the next thing. Verse 12. And yet indeed, she is my sister. Because that's what she told and that's what he told Abimelech. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. In their time, you can marry from your daughter because they were having polygamous homes. The children of Keturah were all there. The concubine to who? To Abraham. You marry, you know, I mean, what was here is what you can call matrilineal. It's just like in Ghana, if your mother is a Ghanaian, you can become a president because they practice matrilineal. Here we practice patrilineal. You have to be uh, a son of a father here to have citizenship, but in Ghana your mother can give you citizenship and you can ascend to the place of president. People like Rawlings. Are you getting that? So this is what it is. Abraham never lied. Sarah was what? The daughter of the mother and not who? The, I mean of the father and not who? The mother. They were not the same mother. But the same father. But people will tell you that Abraham lied. Abraham explained this thing plainly. People don't read to this point before they begin to blame Abraham. They don't read. Hallelujah. I'm talking about being in the kingdom and exhibiting the culture of the kingdom. This is what God has called us to do. Wherever we find ourselves, exhibit the culture of the kingdom. 
Uh, yesterday we dealt with transparency. Let's move on a little bit now. Germany means to touch a few things. James chapter 3 verse 14. We're talking about being transparent. James 3 verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not, and lie not against the truth. What's the truth? Jesus mentioned that yesterday in John 18. Remember that? Lie not against the truth. Lie not against the gospel. If you, if you can live with envy and strife in your heart, you are not a kingdom product. You see striving in church. You see striving in families. You see striving everywhere. And yet they claim to be kingdom people. No, that deception. Hallelujah. Very first place where I was working. When they called me to join them, a congregation, to be a teacher of the world. I was teaching. People were responding, believing. There were other pastors who were together. We were about six. Then the nose was very small. We were six. And then they went to the geo of the place and told him, this guy will take over the church from you with the way he's going because everybody is believing what he's teaching. And that's how I was thrown out. And I thank God he threw me out. Because if he never thrown me out, I'm not sure you'll be here. Hallelujah. Like Genesis 50, 20 we say, you taught it for evil, but God taught it for good. If the, that thing hasn't happened, well, it may be another way, but the truth of the matter is I was not ready to preach the gospel full time. I wanted to keep my job. Because you see, it's one of the craziest things for anybody to do to be a pastor in our days. Because everybody thinks once you're a pastor, you're there to make money from people. And some of us don't know how to respond. That's why it was difficult for us to accept the job. So I wanted to keep my job. Praise the living God. So, you can't strive. Now, what I just mentioned was in a church certain pastors connive and, and comment against their colleague. Envy, jealousy, strive in a system that's supposed to be proclaiming good news of the kingdom. If you are living that kind of life, forget it. You are not in the kingdom. You are walking in the flesh. You are carnal. You're living in deception. You need to change. Hallelujah. Say so you lie against the truth. That means your conduct does not accept and agree with what the gospel is all about. You can't live in strife. You can't live in envy. You can't live in jealousy. You can't because it's not part of your nature. Are you there with me? I used to tell people this. And those of you who follow me either online or through my series. You must have heard some of this thing I'm saying over and over and over again. And it's a benefit for you. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. But listen to this. I don't think it is actually any benefit to teach the fruit of the spirit. You will say, what do you mean, pastor? But according to Galatians chapter 5, it's so important we teach the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> You know what? We're doing the wrong thing. 
To teach the fruit of the Spirit is to do the wrong thing. So what are you supposed to do? You ask me. But let me first ask you this question. When you grow, we have little children in our home. And they steal. Who taught them to steal? If you buy biscuit now, give to little ones, you bought it with your money. And you turn around and say, can you give me a bit? Oh, they will just hide it. Am I correct? What is that greed? Selfishness. Who taught the child? It's a nature. God bless you. You understand that? This is the Adamic life that is in that child. And some of us will practice that even when we're young. How many of you have taken a piece of meat from, don't raise your hand, but from the pot? <laughs> he just went and opened the pot, he took a piece of meat, he covered it back. Oh, yeah, people do that. Hallelujah. Our sisters, though not always, but you know, when you are cooking, what do you do sometimes? You want to test whether the food is ready. You want to test. You keep on testing until your stomach is filled. When the food is ready, let's eat here. I don't feel like eating. What about the one you ate in the kitchen? Your stomach is filled already. No space. Huh? All these are habits that are natural to every individual. So if nobody taught you this, why should somebody teach you how to love? So the fruit of the spirit is love, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. Huh? That's the fruit of the spirit. Nobody can teach you that. The only thing I can do for you is to plant Christ in you. For you know what? Christ is a seed. And when it becomes a tree, it will be a fruit. What we should teach people is how to receive more of Christ. And as Christ grows, you can't avoid loving people. You just love naturally. You just learn to forgive naturally. You just have long suffering naturally. You're not struggling to do it. Because it becomes your nature. Did you get this? So, the attribute of the kingdom is what we're talking about. You can't be bitter and envying and strife in your heart and see claim to be a child of God in the kingdom. It's a lie. So you lie against what? The truth. Glory to God. <laughs> Go with me to Amplified Translation. But let's look at Hebrews 13 verse 18. Hebrews 13 verse 18. Amplified Translation. Keep praying for us. For we are convinced that we have a good clear conscience that we will walk to walk uprightly and live a noble life acting honorably and a complete honesty in all things complete well, honesty in all things we got a good conscience that we have to walk in complete honesty in all things this is kingdom lifestyle this is how you express the kingdom how honest are you? I mean, what's the level of honesty you can exhibit in your home, in your office? How honest are you? 
know what? Everybody who comes to church is a saint. But if you were to be in an office where there is so much stack of money, how will your heart rate behave? Your account is in the red. And yet when you look at the corner, there's stack of dollars, stack of naira notes, hip top, properly arranged with the machine and bounded with the rubber. And your account is empty. What will be your heart rate, your heartbeat? Will it slow down or get quickened? It is then we know whether you are truly a believer or not. Because somebody will tell you, you can just open the tin, take one from inside, take one from inside. So you take from all the ones that are banded together, one, one. Have you noticed that in the bank sometimes they give you money and maybe one bank note, one, maybe one thousand note is meeting. Have you noticed that? Somebody finger, you know, was sticky and while they were counting the money, he just followed the, the finger. You understand that? That is when we will know if you are alone with the things that you are not supposed to touch. That's what we know that you are truly a believer. Paul said, in all everything, we've got to be honest. Hallelujah. Can somebody keep money to you to keep? Let's all of us here now and then we'll make you a treasurer and keep the money. If we come the next two, three days to say we need that money, will it be complete? You know, give some people the money to keep for you. And you need the money just to get back. And what's the thing I'm going to tell you? Uh, when do you want the money? You ask him a question. I say, I need the money. You ask me when do you now? And I say, okay, um, I'm very busy. Um, you understand? When they start telling you reason why they can't give it to you now, know that one or two notes is missing. Man is never sincere. That's not how to be in the kingdom. Praise the living God. Honesty, sincerity in what? How many things? All things. Be sincere. You see, Christians, they give the money to build a church house. The quotation could come for maybe 300,000 and it becomes 320. The 20 want to go into their wallet. So we won't tell a contractor to inflate it so that they are kind of beat. Never honest. In your company, you do the same thing. Your family, you do the same thing. You are not a kingdom person. We didn't with honesty. You cannot be in this place and your heart is not, you know, open to one another. That is not kingdom lifestyle. One of the denominations in this country, powerful ministry, that use fire to kill everybody anytime. Yeah, the people are still there. One of the members in Lagos had a child education. And so. This lady prepared meal. The husband was not actually attended. It was the woman that brought the husband there. The finished dedication and they brought rice and everything. Everybody would take their bag and they believe in. Pot of rice, plate, everything. Take bag and leave. Take bag and leave. They left them with the food. Why? They don't trust who produced the food. Some of them go to service as you are sitting down and they know you are there. Even if the usher is saying, they say, no, it's this side. They can't sit with you in the same church because of what we've been taught. Because that denomination, everybody is a wish. You can only trust yourself. No honesty. Yet we claim to be God's children. 
I remember somebody once spoke to me because what we do what we call communion service. You know how to do communion service. We'll tell the church. We're going to have one in December. I mean in July. Because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that's what was in practice. So, in July when we're doing communion service, this is what we do. You, in your home, cook food. Last year, we narrowed it down to let it be rice. Any brand of other fried, jollof, whatever. Coconut rice, anything rice can be anything. Just prepare it. Package it. You bring, I bring everybody. Because you see, we are supposed to be sharing meals together. But we can't do that. So on that particular occasion, that's what we do. We make all the food available. I pray over the food. And you go there, you carry. You don't eat the one you brought. You have to eat the one from another person's spot. We are bounded together. With the blood of Jesus. We don't have fear. That if I eat the food from your pot, something's going to happen to me. That my sex is not in anybody. I have to let them know. You are one blood from Jesus Christ. Praise the living God. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with people. Praise the Lord. Okay, let me show you. Second Corinthians uh, 12 verse 15. Let me just read this and, and then you see something. King James, if you will. Second Corinthians 12. Let me show you 15, 16. Hallelujah. We're never honest. The Bible says, 15 first. Second Corinthians, not Chronicles. Corinthians, yeah. 15, 16. Good. And I will very speedily spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I love. Oh, look at that. Now remember, he was talking to Christians. The more I love you, the less I be loved. The next thing. But be it so, I did not burden you, nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with God. Can you take it from a different translation? This just verse 16. Being crafty. I mean, can you believe that? That a Christian congregation could exhibit craftiness. Deception, lying. <laughs> Glory to God. And why is it that I keep coming across this width of gossip? That's another thing. About how my self-support was the front behind which I walked an elaborate scam. Where the evidence they were saying he's crafty, he's walking. I mean, and the worst part of it was. This was a group of people that were given to gossip. That cannot be part of the Christian community. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Gossipers, to be gossiping, no, 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 no. It's a no, no. When it comes to being a Christian in the kingdom of God. Do you gossip? No, you need to change. <laughs> You need to kill that spirit. Praise the Lord. And that's the greatest problem we see today in the church. I'm still going to touch a little bit about it. So, let's go down to... Second thing I want to give to... Now, I'm still... Deli- I'm, that is part of transparency, you know, in relation to what we dealt with yesterday. Second thing I would like to mention to you is avoid false witness. You must avoid being a false witness. Isaiah 25 verse 1. 
Isaiah 25 verse 1. Praise the Lord. 25. King James 25 verse 1. Okay, if you want to leave this one. Oh Lord, thou art my God. Hmm? Are you there with me? I will do what? I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Your counsel of old. Now you can go to the other one. Let's see if there's a different thing there. Go to message translation. Your counsel, your words from old times. God, you are my God. I celebrate you. I praise you. You've done your share of miraculous, miracle wonders. Where taught our plans, solid and sure. That's the faithfulness. By implication, God is a faithful God. You can trust Him. Now, if we are God's children in the kingdom, what's expected of us? To be trusted. So, how faithful are you? Is the next question. Hallelujah. So, we must avoid. First witness. So go with me to Exodus 23 verse number 1 and 2. Exodus 23 verse number 1 and 2. Hallelujah. Thou shalt not raise the false report. Put not the hand with the wicked to be what? Unrighteousness. Witness. Unrighteous witness. You can't be or carry or raise a false report. Look at verse 2. Verse 2. Thou shalt not follow multitude to do what evil. Now thou shalt not speak in a cause to while decline after many to rest judgment. Take it from a simpler translation. Verse 1 and 2. Exodus 23. Don't pass on malicious gossip. Can I hear an amen? Don't pass it on. That is not how to be in the kingdom. Don't pass on malicious gossip. <laughs> Most of the problem we have around the world today is from the media gossiping, lies. That is not part of God's kingdom. You can't invite such culture. Don't link up with a wicked person and give corrupt testimony. <laughs> Go to verse 2. Hallelujah. Don't go along with the crowd in doing evil and don't forge your testimony in a cage just to please the crowd. Praise God somebody. This is kingdom lifestyle. You can do this. No gossip. No carrying of false information. Somebody once walked to my office and gave me a story about someone. Then I took my phone. And he noticed and said, uh, what are you trying to do? I said, I want to call the person now. I said, why? I don't, want, I don't want him to. I said, why don't you? You said he said this about me. I want to confirm it. And I want to let you know you told me. He said, no, no, I didn't want that. I, didn't, I just wanted to tell you so that you can know how. I said, yes, I will know how to behave. And I still want him to confirm it that he said it. So that I will know how to behave with him. 
He started pleading with me. Which shows that what he came to tell me was a lie. It was not truth. Praise the living God. Don't pass on malicious gossip. Don't lick on wood by people. Don't give corrupt testimony. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Alright. Let me say this. Where there are no publishers of slander and calumny damaging people's lives, there will be no receivers. And where there are none to receive them, there will be no one to raise such false reports. And where there are no raisers of false reports and receivers, no propagandas of calumny, insults and abuses, society will be in peace. All that we are having today now in the southeast and down south here, whatever it is, is true media propaganda. People believing what is not truth. And our good brother is using the media to fool so many Nigerians. And Christians are falling for such stupid things. That is not how to work in the kingdom. If there are no people to raise false reports, and if there are no people to believe such false reports, we will have peace in the world. So marriages have crashed because some people tell their wife or the husband, I know a particular one. There was a time I was a friend to the man. And the man told me, Pastor David, I said, yeah, I say, what I want to tell you now is secret. I said, what is that? Because I have a relationship with the other man, just like I did. He said, a wife once told me that he wants to walk away from this man. Because the man is so smart looking. It's already age, about 60. And the woman said, she wants to walk away from the man. And he said, I don't need you to talk to the woman about it. That's okay, I've heard you. Down the line, actually, the marriage began to crumble. And the marriage had crumbled. So outside of what this woman told people, there's another sister in the church who go to this man. I see now that I'm talking about the pastor. Who go to this pastor and tell this man about the wife. He will not just tell this man about certain things. He will tell the man that the wife is sleeping with some other people. So, now the woman is poisoned against the man. The man is poisoned against the woman. And all the people saying this in are members of the church of this pastor. So finally, the marriage crashed. I tried the best I can, couldn't fix it. It all came through gossip. Sisters, mind who come to talk to you about your husband. And husbands, mind who come to talk to you about your wife. Praise the Lord. Social media. Some of us just get information from WhatsApp or whatever, and the next thing we fly in it. How true is that? Recently, one was going on that story, the guy that was contented or president where rioting or whatever demonstrating in Abuja. And then the next thing was they shot me. And then they took him to the hospital. See how bad this country is. See how wicked this country is. And all that and all that. He said, 
There was a policewoman that shot him. And that thing fly. Everybody began to talk. Abuse the government. Abuse everybody. The next day, it was God to discover that. It was a tear gas or so that was in one of the police officers' hand that exploded and affected him. Nobody shot him. Not even a woman. It was a man that held the grenade. Lies. Social media took it. Everybody began to You can't be such camp. You can't carry such. You can't be involved in such things. You must get your fact right if you have any reason to forward any message to anybody. Otherwise, you'll be a victim of Exodus 23. That's not to be in the kingdom. Hallelujah. When what information, what you're putting out there on social media is not true, you just know that you are actually creating a problem for you, not only yourself, but for others who believe you in that which are passing across. So you must be sure. Your testimony is right. Everything you are doing is, you know, remember something that happened when Pilate, you remember Pilate? Had to wash his hand off the blood of Jesus. Amen? Because they realized that they were actually bringing false testimonies because God had to speak to the wife in the night. This man is innocent. And he has to clean out by washing his hand. His blood is on upon my heart. Praise the living God. So I want you to get what I'm saying and to understand that we're in a place of glory. I'll take this one and then maybe We'll go and break. Is it time? Yeah. Okay, that's right. The next thing I want to share with you is as a kingdom person, your word should be creative. Creative words. Isaiah 51, verse 16 and 17. Okay, we're going to take verse 16 alone. Isaiah 51, 16. As a kingdom person, your words should be creative. Are you there? And I put my words. Okay, take it from 15. Let me show you something. 15. Good. But I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves near rear road. The Lord of hosts is what? His name. Divided the sea by his word. How powerful the word of God is when it's spoken. Verse 16 now says. And I put my words in their mouth. And I've covered thee in the shadow of my hand. That's protection. That I may do what plant the heavens. And lay the foundation of the earth. And say unto Zion. Thou art my people. Now you remember in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God. Remember that? Created the heavens and the earth. How did God create the heavens? He spoke. Heaven speaks of a ruling power. Your heart speaks of your sustenance. When rain comes from the heaven, it waters the earth, your crops grow. Your heart is your productivity. Your heaven is what causes your system to work. God said, I place my words in your mouth. So just like I created the heavens in time past, you ought to go and create an atmosphere that you want to live in by your words. Are you listening to me? 
You are in your family. What are the things you say about your family? What are the things you even say about your own life and your future? Are you ever saying, if I don't know, life is not worth living. Are you ever saying, I blame myself for marrying this woman or this man. Are you ever saying, I'm not sure anything good will come out of this marriage. Oh no. You're creating a system. You're developing powers. And God will say, as thou hast spoken unto my ears, so will I do unto you. But God wants you to create the heavens. Hallelujah. He wants you to create the atmosphere where you can live in, have joy, have peace. You should speak life to your home anytime you wake up in the morning. Make proclamations about your family. About what you are expecting God to do for you. Create it. As you speak it, there will be a deposit of that thing you are declaring in your home. Don't leave your home to the enemy. Don't leave your business to the enemy to fetter you. Don't do that. You just retain, regret everything around you by what you say. Praise God. Are you still here? I want you to understand this thing. Very simple things I'm sharing with you. You understand that? You can create the life that you want. By what you say. There is power in the spoken word. Say I place my words where? In your mouth. Say it. Create it. Glory to God. I used to give this simple illustration. Do you know. When Samuel. Anointed. Saul. And Samuel was. The master or the head of the school of the prophets. And so, when Saul got there, he told him, As you go, you're going to make a band of prophets. You give them this and whatever the case may be. Saul got there and began to prophesy. And the Bible says, Prophesy naked. And people are asking the question, Is Saul also among the prophets? Have you read that? In another instance, when Saul was sending people to go capture David, from that same Samuel, the first set went there, the end of the prophesying. Second set went there, the end of the prophesying. Saul himself had to go, he ended up prophesying. Who was making them to prophesy? He said, the atmosphere that the sons of the prophet were, with Samuel being their head, is completely prophetic. So if you enter into that atmosphere, you capture the spirit that's prevailing there. You begin to function in it. That's why if you go to a church where demon, demon, demons are preached, you'll be demon possessed. Because that's what we are creating. You're creating a stronghold. That's what people don't know. That's why you must mind what you hear. Because every word that is spoken is hanging in the air to land upon somebody's head. Are you still there? When Isaiah said a virgin shall give birth, Mary was not the only virgin that was in Israel. But the word landed on Mary. Remember, the prophecy was on years back before Mary was born. 
But the prophecy was still hanging until he finds somebody that he can land on. Words that are spoken into the air, they are all there. You open yourself, they will deposit themselves. So if you are hearing wrong things, you're going to have a wrong lifestyle. If you are hearing good things, you build yourself and build your family. So when you make proclamation in the home, remember what we are dealing with. I place my words in your mouth. The words are placed not to cause, but to create the heavens and the earth. And then you say to Zion, remember what he said there? What he said? Say that are my people. Praise the living God. Thou shalt say to Zion, that what? Thou art my people. Think about that. Because of what you are doing. Because of the words that are going out. See, let me tell you this. Some of the things you call demons are simply or strongholds. When you say casting down strongholds. Strongholds are not power. Strongholds are not what I would call demons. Because that's what we've been told, especially those of us who do deliverances and all that. Stronghold, cast it down, imagination. Uh, warfare is not against flesh and blood, against power, the pulling down the strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are simply mindset, belief concepts. You understand what I'm saying? You just need light and truth to destroy stronghold. You don't need prayers to do that. You don't need binding and losing to do that. There's a sister that received my message every day in Malaysia. She was saying, Pastor, I need you to talk to me because of this coronavirus that in our state now. I mean, because you see, we as intercessors, we've been binding and losing according to the authority that God has given to us. Then I said, go back and read that passage very well. You are talking about Matthew, I think chapter 18. Said, go back and read it very well. Binding and losing have nothing to do with demons. Binding and losing have to do with expulsion, expelling people from the church. Jesus was teaching. He said, if somebody offend you, go to him. That's a reconciliation. If he refuses, take one or two. If he refuses, take him to the elders. If he still fail, call the whole church. If he still will not respond to make reconciliation, send him out. For what is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Is a means of communication. And is dealing with reconciliation. So strong goals are not demons. Otherwise they could be demons. But look at it this way. Now something is still going on now in Calabar. Cross River State. Where most young people are sent out to the street. That they are witches and wizards. Have you noticed that? Huh? Good. And there was this Danish woman from Dan. Danish. That came in there to establish and begin to pick up these children. There was one of them that was picked up. If you look at the boy now, he's grown already. Who the parents cast out. That he was a wizard. And pastors in the environment, that's what they preach. Oh, this your son is the one making you. I remember one of them I read a few days ago. The father got blind and the pastor says it's the daughter that made the father to get blind. This is the kind of thing that happens there. The belief system. Now, the greatest one that ever happened before was where they feel that every twin child is a devil. Before now, that's what was believed. And so, when you have your wife give birth a twin baby, they go and throw them away that they are demons. Until Mary Slessor came to Calabar and taught the people 
that twins are not demons and explain to them how twins are formed in the womb. That's where killing of twins stopped in Calabar. So the killing of twins was the mindset of the people. The atmosphere had been created. That if you have a weight, I mean a, a twin that has to do with demons, that child should be killed. I mean those two children have to be killed. They were living on that until somebody changed their mindset. So stronghold simply means what? Mindset. What you believe for your family is what you are going to get. What you create by what you say. Wake up in the morning. What do you create in your home? You are your prayer. What atmosphere do you create? That's what you're going to get. As long as we keep on saying Nigeria, nothing good can come out of it. Nothing good can come out. Because that's what you are creating. Do you know what? God never wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. At any point in time. He was not thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah. If you look at this statement, this is what it says. Now, all of the information about Sodom and Gomorrah has come to me. Let us go down. And let me see what this was saying. So every complaint that people like Lord were given, they were petitioning heaven to do something on Gomorrah. The more you say Nigeria is nothing, there is nothing good you can get in this country. Because that's what you are creating. We can change this country by what we say. We can change this country by what we believe. Praise the living God. So your homes can be changed. Your children can be changed by what you believe and what you declare. I've placed my words in your mouth that you may create the heavens and the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Praise the Lord. So when the people were not supposed to be there, you create them, you mold them again, you shape them again, and bring them to Zion by the things you said. By the words that comes out of your mouth. Praise the Lord somebody. When you tell somebody good morning, what do you really mean? When you tell somebody I wish you success, do you mean it? I once said it when we were living in secondary school. Then I, I, I'm not a big Christian yet. But a lot of cars were coming to me. Which is success. Success in your exams. Success in your exams. And something struck my heart. How can you fail if all these people really want you to succeed? <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. How can somebody fail? If all of us here are really wishing you to succeed... Man, we are going to affect your brain and your mind in such a way that you will definitely succeed because we are generating a force. But when we are sending this card, they are just social way of interaction. We don't mean it. <laughs> Even when people are doing birthday, I wish you birthday, I wish you live long. Do we really mean it? No. The words are not creative. They are just social interactions. So I'm saying when you, when you wake up in the morning and tell somebody good morning, you are presenting the day to be solidly salted, solidly built, solidly I mean established on goodness for the rest of the day. When you tell somebody good morning, mean it from your heart. Simply let the person know, may the money be good to you. And if the money is good, the rest of the day is going to be good. Praise the living God. When you tell somebody I wish you success, mean it from the depth of your heart. 
Let it be like as if you are praying. You must succeed. You must succeed. It's not just a wish. No. Minutes from the depth of your heart. I wish you success. It becomes a prayer project that you work on. Until the man is successful, yourself will not have rest. Because that's what you wish. Now think about it. If you're wishing for a car, do you just say, I wish I, wish I had a car? Or you are going to be doing something to make sure the car comes up. Am I correct? Anything you are wishing yourself, you walk towards it. It's not just about verbalizing, I wish. No. So when you say, good morning, mean it. When you say, may the day be a blessing, mean it. And in fact, get engaged in it. That this person you told that this day should be good. You'll be walking on it behind the sun. And causing the man to get a fruitful and a beautiful day. That's how to be in the kingdom. Hallelujah. We don't just talk. When we talk, we mean what we say. And when we mean what we say, we get the result of what we say. It's not just about talking. It's about establishing people through what we say. Praise the living God. And so when you begin to say for instance, sometimes you pray this as a, is it benediction or whatever. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. You don't mean what you are saying. You are just reciting like a Muslim. If you are sure goodness and mercy shall follow you, that means anywhere you are going to, know that there is somebody behind you that is called goodness. You are walking the street. You know you are not alone. Who is following you? Goodness. I don't know if I get what I'm saying now. That's how you create. You are going for an interview. Goodness is there. Therefore, you are going to succeed. Because goodness is following you. Anywhere you find yourself, goodness is there. Because that's what you confess. So when you say, let's say, goodness and message shall follow me all the days of my life. I'll now dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. And then you close. No. No. When you leave the church, do you believe goodness is behind you? Because you say it will follow me. I remember one thing this I'm sharing was confirmed to me when I read the story. A pastor, a pastor was in the office and somebody went in there. Wanted to talk to the pastor. In a matter of fact, he was seeking favor from the pastor. And the pastor said, thank God for your life. You didn't come here alone. And the man said, no, but I came alone. He said, no, you didn't come alone. Somebody followed you. He said, but I can't see anybody. He said, no, goodness followed you when you entered here. For goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days. So anywhere I go, goodness is what? Is following me. You have to believe that. And you want to confess it. You wake up in the morning. You say, good morning. You know goodness is behind you. You live in your house, goodness is following you. You are in the car, seated, goodness is behind you. You are not seeing the next person, you are seeing goodness. Meaning everything you are going for for that day is going to be successful. Because goodness and mercy are doing what? They are following you. They are your companion. Praise God somebody. I'll see you in the next section. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.